Uh. <sighs> Hello, good people. Hi, good people that we are subjecting to this for some reason. St- I'm, stick with us. The funny's coming soon. Uh, not I'm, here, of yeah. course. Not for oh, the next no. hour and a half. No. No funny at all. No, no, no. Nothing funny. Zero. Yeah, zero funny. Uh, however, after this, we're going to make it up for it. we got to come up with something awesome for next I, yeah, week. Just something. Just some palate cleansing fucking apology. <laughs> mm. So, uh, you thought that we were reluctant to start recording last time. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> we are straight up fighting against it right now because <laughs> everything we've read up to this point, including the last scene of Keltner getting beaten to death. Yes. So much better than what's about to come. It really is. This um, these are the salad days. Just... You are going to you are going to hear so much of this in the next ep- in this episode. <sighs> yeah, a lot of that. <sighs> <clears throat> this um, rocket on roller skates right past. Well, that's odd. Or yeah, that's mm, that's rather that's in questionable taste. Mm, I don't know about that. That seems in poor taste, Mr. Mm-hmm. Mr. Lewis. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh God, that's where this goes. Yes, uh-huh. straight to that ter- territory. Yeah, th- this dives into an arena of oh fucking filth. <laughs> that's the only way I can describe yeah. it. Uh, and then for whatever reason, if you're the first time listening to our shows, stop uh, that. Yeah, stop. Don't st- listen to anything else. I'm Clarkson. Else. He's Jim. We're yeah. Film Thugs. Yeah, this is and not... this is not what we normally do. This is not at all what we normally do. For we those, play keyboards. Yeah, we, we play keyboards. Uh, <laughs> for those who are unaware of what's going on right now, joining, uh, back in the 60s, Jerry Lewis was contacted to make a uh, concentration camp movie called The Day the Clown Cried. Um, originally it was supposed to be about a selfish man being redeemed. Now it is about nothing, um, at all. This is to describe this film the way one of the few people who's seen it described, described it. Harry Shearer once said, this is like going to Mexico and seeing a velvet painting of Auschwitz. It's not art. It's not appropriate for tacky, kitschy stuff. It misses in literally every conceivable way a movie can miss. Yes. This movie misses. And it doesn't just kind of miss. You know in the uh, old uh, um, uh, the, like Looney Tunes things when they, they, they'd have them playing baseball and the guy would throw that pitch and the batter would swing and swing and swing yes. and swing the, the really creepy slow ball pitch and the guy would swing 12 times at it before it crossed the plate? Yeah. That's this. That's this movie. I think we found the title: uh, yeah. a velvet painting of Auschwitz. A velvet painting. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know that feeling that you get when you say that. Yeah, that. Uh huh. That's what we honestly. Yes. We've read this. You guys haven't. This episode. Oh, I am so goddamn sorry. I think we decided earlier that this show, if we don't find a better one, will be called "What the Hell Did You Do to Us, Jim?" Oh, that will. Yeah. I'm trying to take some onus off of you, buddy. No, this was entirely my idea. <clears throat> um, Everything about this was my fucking idea. I think so. we finished the script about the same time. You had read read a certain part, and yeah. I started reading some part. Uh-huh. And some, we caught up around the same time. Right. And I, I, I threw it in my office uh-huh. across, across the room. Yes. And said, fuck this film. Yes. And fuck I got it. a text okay. the next morning that said, Fuck this film. <laughs> Fuck this thing, man. Yeah. yeah. Fuck this movie. Fuck everything about this movie. Uh, seriously, uh, 
I take offense at very little. I find very few things genuinely yeah. offensive. This <laughs> this, this is, is fucking this. offensive. Is you want to know? You want to know offensive? Now, before we get going on the reading, it's important for us to say that the following presentation of this material is intended in a critical and educational manner and as a work of satire. It's specifically satire being used to educate and critique this. Uh, in keeping with that, we are fully within the fair use doctrine of the United States Patent and Copyright Act. We are not doing this for money. We are simply doing this because... This movie was made in the 60s and has never been released. As of this point, we have provided more of this to the public as a performance than has ever happened, period. And I think you'll understand why when we hit this part. I, I went from being indifferent towards Jerry Lewis to just kind of looking at him and shaking my head like, <laughs> fucking really, dude? You, you exist in a world where you, and I'm sorry, in an interview he said, oh, the Jews would love this movie. Just remember that. Remember that remember sentence. That. Now, up to this point, to get you caught up, we met Helmut Dork, who was apparently once kind of a big deal clown, who has now been relegated to a shitty, lowly place within a second-rate circus in, uh, in, um, in Berlin. Mm -hmm. One night after he finds out he's going to be fired after pissing off the head clown, he drunkenly impersonates and insults Hitler in a bar, in front of SS officers and get sent to uh, an early prison camp. I, well, not an early prison, to a prison camp. Not yeah. a concentration camp, but a prison camp. Uh, at first, while they are there, it's okay. You know, life objectively sucks. But then they have to cram all the guys into one barracks because they're moving half of the camp for different use. And it is now very obvious, okay, that's where the Jewish prisoners are mm -hmm. while... This other camp is being completed. So suddenly he's next to a concentration camp. After refusing to perform as a clown, he does one day and gets some laughs from the Jewish children. So he then dedicates himself to entertaining the Jewish children. And act one. Then act two rolls up and uh, well, actually, I don't even know where act breaks would be in this fuck dramatic structure at this point. <laughs> then we get um, actually we're well into act two at this point. Um, the new camp commander takes over and says there's, you know, too much leniency here before we're going to make this a model of German efficiency. It's going to be great. Here's the kids laughing, looks out and he's like, what's going on there? Oh, it's a clown. He can I thought we didn't allow fraternization. We don't? Well, tell me what that means then, hair, blah, blah, blah. Uh, turns out, no, you can't perform for the kids. He goes over to try and tell them, gets caught, and the kindly – a couple of prisoners get killed, including yeah. uh, the Reverend Kletner, who – honestly, if I had to say there was a redeeming character in this movie, it was him. Yes. And he just got beaten to death with a club. The last moral center. Yes. Uh -huh. or, or in fact only moral yeah. center except maybe Ava. Yeah. Um, but we haven't seen Ava. We haven't seen in Ava forever. In, yeah. for ages. She's yes. she's gone. We haven't seen her in like a hundred pages. But um, yeah, Keltner uh, the last uh, the last semblance of decency he, in this just got beaten to death. Yes. In this laugh a minute romp. Uh-huh. And for those who haven't listened to the other parts yet Good for you. Um, <laughs> there have been attempts at comedy. Attempts at comedy. Uh, yeah, and Failed, awful, 
wrong-headed attempt. Not by us, of course. At comedy. There, th- this has been the driest shit we've ever done. This has been just, uh, yes, I find this to be... <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. The next film we're going to do a reading of isn't going to be right away. It's going to be in a couple months, but we're going to do the J.J. Abrams Superman script. Yes. Uh, Because that one, oh, Nelly, can we make the fuck fun of? uh, After the show. Yes. That's my dears. Okay, good. And that one will have sound effects. That'll be so much more fun. It will will because, (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh, God. After this, I just want to, like... Lay in bed and watch nothing but like you know. Uh, but so funny. Put on blazing saddles. Put on some Simpsons. I just oh, after I shower and bleach because I want to watch uh, great chefs over the same episodes I watched in college in a dark room. I don't even want anything that's even funny. I just right. want something I can zone out to. Okay, I can totally get it that. Warms the fish in butter. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Or good, a, good idea, good, yeah. Good, fine. Uh-huh. I'm going to lay here in the dark mm-hmm. and try not to think of anything. Yes. Uh, as I refer to this script now, it's so bad. I watched that movie, A, a Million Ways to Die in the West, and Seth MacFarlane has a fantastic line where, I forget what it was, some horrible disease gets mentioned. Right. And this woman says, what is that? And he goes, oh, that's just one of the new ways that our benevolent creator has somehow decided to show us that he loves us. And that's what this feels like to me. The fact that this exists is some just cruel fucking. Uh. So what do we say? We, uh, dude, I'm so. I, before we get this, I apologize to you, to quite me? sincerely, you, Mr. Oh, Campbell, on, because what the fuck have I made you? Your beautiful eyes, your uh, yeah. your cherubic face had yes. never known this. No, no. And I foist it upon you. Yes. Ugh. And to you, gentle listener. <laughs> We're really sorry about We're that. We're really fucking sorry. Because we started... Even the hardest hardest core group, I'd say what? The, the hardcore yeah. five. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's got to be like... I'm like, Jesus, man. Wow. Really? We're, Can you we get, knock this off? We get texts from Bad Movie Sunday immediately after. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> sorry. Seriously, guys. What the sorry. fuck? We're sorry. <laughs> And, but we uh, had to get this out. In, we did. In, in a year, uh-huh. we can look back over our feed and go, see, yeah. look at that historical artifact. Yeah, we remember are. When we did that. Remember when that mistake occurred when Jim <laughs> said, hey, Greedo should shoot first? <laughs> well, well this, 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 I don't know if it's that bad. <laughs> it's that bad. Okay. <clears throat> so. Okay, I'm. Whistle is wetted with delicious Pellegrino because I am feeling pretentious today. Mm hmm. All right. Fuck. Okay, so this ended with all of this nightmare happening. One guy shot and killed, another guy beaten to death, and they're dragging Helmet off, and he is still, like, frantically and pathetically trying to perform for the kids, which, had he had a better arc, that moment could be seen as amazing, where it's like, no, kids, look over here, don't look at that, look over here, look over here, but he doesn't have that arc. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It would have to be severely rewritten. Yes. Someone would have not had to gotten shot in the head. Yeah. Because there ain't a clown. There ain't a coarse line of clowns. Yeah. They're going to keep a child from going, Ooh. um, the, the, that guy just got shot. That in guy the head. just got shot in his head. So clearly, plainly in the in dome. In front of us. Now, yes, a that's beating not good. was surrounded by, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the guards all s- circle yeah. around on one guy. Uh-huh. That I can kind of Yeah, see. that we can get a little distraction not from. A gun blast yeah. to the dome. While a fucking fatal beating 
is occurring just, just next to really, it. Really, I wrote no. Yeah, big no. on my script. Yeah. I, I, I threw this thing more in the George R. R. Martin book. Mm -hmm. Like what? What? Yeah. But for different reasons. Uh, so anyway, um, <laughs> tuck in then. Fuck. Fucking hell. Here yeah. we go. So it's 38 pages. Uh, and shortest of our, our, uh, our cryptids here. Yes. Oh, but Jesus Christ. But this we is the we are lacking in page count. We are making up for yeah. in just fuck you audienceness. Yeah. So, um, and honestly, I was thinking, oh, cool. I'll keep a copy of this around afterwards. It'll no. be a neat thing. No, I'm fucking throwing this away. Yeah. So I don't want this in my home anymore. I'm going to keep the cover sheets and that so that I can, you know, the other scripts I can see keeping when we start doing some more, you know, well-known, unproduced of course. scripts. I'll keep those. This, uh, this just, um, I'm, I'm thinking I might need to throw this in my fucking barbecue and burn this shit. Yeah, this, this is bad. Yeah. Brought my wife to tears. Um, Jim's significant other there, Hope, uh, really doesn't like bad or negative things. Yeah. Uh, scary things, shit like uh, that. Yeah. Well, generally, in my story. Generally, yeah. And, yes, and uh -huh. this would fuck her up, too. Oh. Uh, and if you're easily fucked up by that, what are you doing listening to our show? Because Honestly, Hope, I think, would be more like, oh, fuck this guy. Okay. Honestly, I think she would look at this and be like, Re really? Yeah, really. Fucking really? Without so, context, it uh, yeah. <laughs> reduced my life to absolute... Absolute <laughs> horror, yeah. Yeah. So I think so. these might be, be the pages that I use to start my uh, chimney starter from my from my barbecue from here on out. Yeah. <laughs> Just, this is like 300 pages of nonsense, and I'd rather use it... I'd rather okay. it go to some good. Well, so. we've danced around quite a bit, <sighs> like Helmut here. Yes. So he gets let off by the guards, leaving the horror show that was the concentration camp general area and we dissolve too. interior solitary confinement cell no light shooting from the back of the cell towards the door the cell is about eight feet long and four feet wide with a steel door at the far end the cell is bare we hear men approaching and a guard opens the door letting in a shaft of bright light two guards hoist the unconscious helmet into the cell and drop him onto the floor close shot helmet he lies in a heap on the floor. His face is swollen from the severe beating. Medium shot, cell. The guards walk out, slamming the door shut, leaving the cell pitch dark. Dissolve two, close shot, window th with window shade. Window shade quickly rolls up, letting in a stream of blinding sunlight. Interior, inter uh, interior Colonel Bestler's office, day. Lieutenant Schroff is by the window, having just rolled up the window shade. Colonel Bester is on the phone and obviously exasperated by what he is hearing. Medium shot. Bestler, Scharf. Bestler on the phone. Yes? Yes, I understand perfectly. However, I don't see how we can be held responsible. Our orders were very clear. We were to have a freight car ready to be picked up at midnight. Of course, I'm aware the operation must be kept secret. I just don't have the staff to send down there now. And yes, I'll wait. He puts his hand over the mouthpiece to talk to Sharf. The freight car wasn't picked up. It's still down there on the landing. Siding. Siding. Right. Some stupid mix-up. If they think the sound of the voice coming over the phone causes him to literally snap to attention. Yes, General. Yes, I'm distressed about the situation as you are. Yes, personally, immediately. Yes, General. You can leave it in my hands. Pause. Heil Hitler. He puts down the instrument and turns at once to Scharf. To to Bestler. 
I'm sorry. Who did you leave in charge down there? Sharf. Sergeant Hoffman. Very reliable. Apparently not reliable enough. The cargo seems to be raising quite a fuss. 50 children, sir, in a boxcar. I know. I know. But the sighting isn't far from town. The general doesn't want unauthorized persons getting curious. Understand? I'll get some men down there right away. Men? You'll get yourself down there and take at least a dozen guards with you. Don't let anyone get close to that boxcar under any circumstances. No one. Yes, sir. Scharf turns to leave the office, but after a few steps, he stops and turns back to Bestler, a look of concern on his face. Sir? Bestler looks up. I wonder, sir, if you might have any suggestions as, well, how do we quiet children? Use any method that you can, but shut them up. That is an order. Sharf, uh, Sharf is disappointed at not getting some help from Bessler. Suddenly his face brightens. Sir, the clown. Bessler looks at him quizzically. The one who amused the children. Out of the question. The man is being disciplined for that very thing. We can't change our position now. No one need know. He would know. Sharf thinks this over. Suddenly his face brightens. Sir, if I could guarantee he'd never say anything. Bessler looks interested. You see, sir, he's been trying to get a review of his case. Claims he's here by mistake. I could tell him you would recommend the review. A man who wants something. Good. Very good strategy, Lieutenant. However, when you bring him ha back here, return him to solitary and keep him there. I've seen the best of men, after several years in solitary, unable to remember even their own names. Then I have your permission to take the clown? Permission granted. Dissolve. I think at this point we all see where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ugh, so, a small open truck with 12 soldiers on the back, followed by a staff car, move along the road. Interior staff car moving day. The driver is in the front seat. Helmet and Sharf are in the back. Medium shot, helmet, Sharf. Helmet has been cleaned up, but he still shows the effects of the beating and his stay in solitary. Holding a small mirror, he is applying his makeup. He occasionally closes or tries to shade his eyes from the light. They ride on in silence. Sharf stares straight ahead. Helmet. I wish you couldn't have gotten the big shoes. The children laugh so when they see them flopping up and down. Sharf makes no reply. Helmet starts to put his on his big black mouth. The Commandant himself asked for me. You say he's personally requesting a review of my case. Why, that means I'm practically on my way back to Merlin. Studies his face in the mirror. Should be red. Mouth looks better in red. You know the first thing I'm going to do when I get to Berlin? Buy an overcoat with a fur collar. Had such a coat. Very elegant. Very elegant. Not a good idea. Moving the children. Sharf reacts to this. He looks sharply at Helmet. Prison is no place for, uh, prison is no place for children. I said all along that it was some kind of mistake. Sharf. Just finish your makeup. We're almost there. Know what Johan Keltner said? Who? Keltner. From my barracks. The minister. He said... Let me think. He said, men who wage war on children... That's it. Men who wage war on children commit such a crime. Such a heinous crime that... That's it. Men who wage war on children commit such a heinous crime that even the devil damns their souls. <sighs> 
Sharf looks as though he's just been slapped across the face. He quickly turns towards the window. Helmet inspects his reflection in the mirror and draws a black, black vertical lines down each eye, giving him a very lost, sad, dejected look. Now, real quick, before we go on, that is some fucking the happening, you deserve this level of just hammering theme home. Uh, just a skosh. Honestly, had he just sat there and gone on and on about children? Like... Yeah, what did he say? About oh, it would be so wonderful. No, I mean, even without that, of it, I'm like, you know, no matter what they say, children, just the innocence. They don't know anything. They they just love. They react to how they react because it's pure and it's real. And then just slowly show the guy getting hammered. Essentially, anything other than just you know, it's true. One person really can make a difference. Right. I mean, that's what this fucking is. The more you know. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, the rainbow over his head. It's so fucking just. Yeah. Which, I mean, granted, how bad does a movie have to be where a really solid, what could be a solid line like that gets turned into, oh, brother. <laughs> well. Oh, brother. We, we found it. Uh, exterior. Railroad siding. Long shot day. As the truck and staff car leave the highway and jolt down a short roadway to a railroad siding where a boxcar sits on the tracks. Uniformed guards stand watch on both sides of the car, it, which has the door nearest to the camera partially open. The truck and staff car pull up to the nearest boxcar. The soldiers jump from the rear of the truck, one of them carrying a large burlap sack. Medium shot as Sharf gets out of the car. From the boxcar comes the sound of children crying. Sharf, yeah, to helmet in the next car. Wait here. Sharf strides purposely over to Sergeant Hoffman, the guard beside the open door. Hoffman salutes Sharf. Sharf, any word on the train yet? Hoffman. No, sir. The last we heard, it won't get here till evening. Anyone been around? No, sir. With all that wailing, it's a wonder. Couldn't you keep them quiet? I don't know what to do, Lieutenant. I was afraid to close both doors. Sharf to the other soldiers. Keep tight guard on this whole area. No one gets near here. Understand? To Hoffman. You post them. Yes, sir. Hoffman moves over to the soldiers, begins giving them their orders. Sharf to the soldier holding the sack. Leave that here. The soldier puts down the sack and hurries off after the others with Hoffman leading the way. Sharf turns towards the staff car. Sharf calling to Helmet, over here, clown. Helmet gets quick, quickly gets out of the car and moves over to Sharf. He looks towards the partially open door. Helmet, they're crying. Indicating the sack. Take that to them. Helmet put, picks up the sack and peers into it. What is it? Bread. They won't wail so loud with their mouths full. How long have they been in there? You just get in there and keep them quiet. You can do that, can't you? Helmet nods. Sharf puts his hands on Helmet's shoulder. Helmet stiffens under his touch. Do a good job, and I will personally ask that you get a favorable decision in your case. Understand? Yes, sir. Helmet moves over to the half-open door of the boxcar, the camera moving with him. Just before he looks inside, he puts a wide grin on his face. But when he does peer into the car, his eyes cease to smile. Interior, boxcar, helmet's point of view, day. In one end of the car, the children are huddled together in one frightened, wailing mass. They do not even notice Helmet at first, so great is their sorrow. The little ones cling to the larger youngsters, who in turn cling together. The small ones weep hysterically, as children do when they have been crying for a very long time. The camera pulls back so that Helmet, in the f so that helmet is in the foreground. He slides the boxcar door open fully, throwing more light on the children. 
This brings renewed wails of anguish from the youngsters who cluster together more fiercely. But one little boy sneaks a look at the door, expecting to see more guards. When he sees Helmet, his tear-filled eyes widen. He can scarcely believe what he sees, much less verbalize it. He tugs frantically on an older girl he has been clutching. She looks first at him, then at Helmet. She, too, can hardly believe it. Older girl, dork? It's dork! It is! It is! The children begin untangling quickly. Faces appear between legs, around skirts, over shoulders. For a moment, they can only stare at Helmet. Speechless with wonder. So, Helmet, this, so this is where you've been hiding. That breaks the silence, and the children begin squealing ad-libbed expressions of greeting and relief. They repeat his name over and over again. Dork, dork, dork. As one, the youngsters surge towards him. The little boy who first saw him reaches him first. He drops to his knees and puts his arms around Helmet's neck, hugging him ferociously. Helmet returns the embrace. Boy, I want to go home. Take me home. Now, now, there's nothing to cry about. We're going to have fun. Disengaging himself and picking up the sack. Here, I brought you something. He tosses it into the car. The children pounce on the sack and tug at it, unsure of what it is, except that it is a gift from Helmet. Wait now. Don't open it yet. Wait till I get in. You help me. He backs up a few steps, the camera pulling back with him as he runs towards the car. With strength and with strength he really doesn't have. Jumps up so that he gets his arms on the door uh, on the door of the boxcar, heaves himself forward partially into it. The children grab his clothes and help him inside. A couple of the older boys seize the seat of his pants and finally pull him in. Interior railroad car day. Favoring helmet as he rolls over and jumps up, wagging his head from side to side in the manner of a jack-in-the-box. The children watch him big-eyed, a few giggle. Look, I'm a jack-in-the-box. He gestures around to indicate that he is indeed in a box. We're all jacks-in-the-box. The same box. The children laugh, and some begin imitating Helmet's head movements. Others do the same, and still others, including the Czech youngsters, until all are wagging their, wagging, waggling their heads at each other and loving it. Then, out of sheer adoration... The youngest of children close in on Helmet and hug him around his legs. Slowly, he slops, stops wagging his head and stretches out his arms to embrace as many of them as he can, almost as if trying to protect them. Suddenly, the gaiety dissolves and the children go solemn, silent. Helmet reacts. Well, who's hungry? Almost in unison, the children shout, I am, again forgetting their unhappiness. All right, I, I want everyone to sit down. When I count three, everyone sit. Ready? One... Two. On the count of two, many of the youngsters sit down. Helmet feigns surprise. Oh, you're too fast. Three. This brings a burst of giggles, and the remaining children sit down. The checks following the examples of the others. Helmet opens the burlap saps and begins handing out pieces of black bread. The children grab at the chunks and nod it voraciously. When all of the youngsters have been given the bread, Helmet takes a piece and bites into it with great relish. After a few chews on the bread... Now, what do we do? There is a long moment of silence. Then the little blonde girl with the rag doll speaks up timidly. Little girl, I want to see my mommy. Helmet is brought up short. For a beat, he searches his brain frantically for an answer, then goes to the child and kneels beside her. You would? All right. Do you know where she is? She's right here with you. I don't see her. That's because you don't know how to look. I'll show you. Close your eyes. To all the other children. All of you, close your eyes. The little girl closes her eyes, and one by one, the other youngsters do also. Check children, look at each other, then at the other children. Then they, too, close their eyes. Everybody's eyes shut? 
Now think about your mommies and daddies. There, don't you see them? Can't you see their faces? The children, marveling at this feat, ad-lib expressions of assent. So you see, they're right here with you. All you have to do is look into your hearts. Putting his, putting, the little girl, putting her hand over her heart. Does mommy see me, dork? Yes, she does. She has you safe in her heart, too. The silence in the car tells Helmet that sadness has returned to the children. He brightens quickly and rises. I've got an idea. You all know my name, but I don't know yours. So let's find out everybody's name, shall we? He points to a boy of about ten in the group. You, come here, I'll show you what we'll do. The boy, honored at being singled out, rises and comes to Helmet, who takes a stubby pencil from his pocket. What's your name? Willie. Willie? That's a good name. How do you spell it? W-I-L-L-I-E. Fine. I'll just write that on top of your head. Using the eraser into the pencil, Helmet carefully traces the letters on top of the boy's head. The youngster peers up upward, wandering. There. See, this way you'll all be able to tell everybody else's names just by looking at his head. Close shot, boy, still looking up, but now doubtful. Boy, did he really? Medium shot the group. Of course I did, here. He pulls an older boy to his feet, winks at him, and points to the first boy's head. Tell him what it says. Older boy, giggling. It says Willie. Boy, impressed. Really? Truly? He puts his hand to his head. Be careful. Don't smear it. Let's see now. Yes, you shall be next. He points to a Czech girl of about six. He motions for her to come for over to him. She shyly bows her head. Her friends push her forward. Helmet holds out his hand to her. She grabs it. What is your name? Oh, sorry. <laughs> what is your name? She looks at him, then at the other Czech children. They all giggle. Squatting down beside her. Forgive me, I don't speak your language. He gently plants a kiss on her cheek. She puts an arm around his neck. Helmet to others. See? We understand each other now, he points to Willie. Willie, he points to himself. Dork, points again to Willie. Willie, pointing again to himself. The, children, the child's eyes light up when she whispers into Helmet's ear. Ah, beautiful name. Now you tell all the children. Check, girl. Inga. That's such a pretty name. Say it again. Inga. She quickly bows her head for Helmet to outline her name on top of it. With a flourish of his pencil. I-N-G-A. There it is. The little girl gives a quick curtsy and hurries back to her group. Helmet glances round at the children. Let's see now. Who wants to be next? The little girl with the doll comes forward. You? Shaking her head, she holds up the doll. Her? So the little children will know her name. Uh, of course. That way she can't get lost, can she? What's her name? Federica. Federica? He studies the top of the doll's head. Then he holds up his hand to measure the distance of about three inches in the air with his thumb and forefinger. Frederica. Next, he puts the doll's head between his thumb and forefinger, illustrating that the head is too small for the name. Mm, could we just make it Freda? Oh, no. Frederica. Helmet shrugs, closes one eye, and begins writing in tiny letters on the doll's head. The children's laugh delightedly. Exterior railroad siding, full shot day. Sergeant Hoffman is walking his post beside the, b beside the open door of the boxcar. Inside, we can see Helmet and the children and hear their laughter. The camera pans over to the staff car, where Schaff sits in the front seat, smoking a cigarette and watching. Dissolve 2. Exterior. Railroad siding. Full shot. Afternoon. It is perhaps two hours later. Sergeant Hoffman is now leaning warily against the boxcar near the door. The camera pans over to the staff car where Schaff is dozing in the back seat. 
Medium shot. Sergeant Hoffman. From within the boxcar, we can hear Helmet singing softly to the children. Sergeant Hoffman is listening. Finally, he takes something from his pocket, goes to the door of the boxcar, and sticks his head inside. The children are scattered about, either sleeping or near sleep. Many of them cuddle close to Helmet, who sits near the door with his back against the side of the car, crooning. Sergeant Hoffman. Clown. Clown, can you play one of these? He holds out a harmonica. Helmet leans over to get it, being careful not to disturb the children. I, I got it to send home to my boy, but if it'll help. Two shot, Helmet and Hoffman. It will, it will. Don't say anything to the lieutenant. I promise. He leans back and looks at the harmonica. Then he has a sudden thought as Hoffman's head disappears. He leans back through the door. Guard, guard. Hoffman reappears at the door. It's going to be dark soon. The little ones may be afraid. Do you think, well, could you get some kind of light for in here? What, what to get me in trouble? Helmet nods that he understands Hoffman's situation. I, I would if I could. Uh, I know, I know you would. Again, Hoffman's face disappear. Helmet, Helmet leans back and begins experimenting with the harmonica. Actually, he can play it only slightly, but he manages to get some sort of soft tune out of it. The camera pulls back slowly to include the children, most of who are resting peacefully, secure in Helmet's presence. But suddenly, the little dark-haired, dark-eyed girl of about six sits upright and cries out, frightened by a bad dream. Helmet reacts. The child looks around the boxcar as if she can't remember how she got there and begins crying inconsolably. Some of the elder children stir. Helmet quickly but carefully disengages himself from the tots around him and picks his way over to the girl. He kneels beside her, and the camera moves up to two sh- tight two-shot, Helmet and the dark-eyed girl. The children continue crying, but more softly. He, he wide, wet eyes on... The wide, wet eyes on Helmet. Helmet, what's the matter? It's all right. It's just a bad dream. He tries to put a comforting arm around her, but she shrinks away and continues to sob softly. Realizing that words won't help, he turns to the harmonica for communication, serenading her with a soft but sprightly tune of his own improvisation. It's hardly a masterpiece, but it has the desired effect. The girl stops sobbing, and when Helmet finishes the tune, he makes a real funny face, and she timorously puts a hand up to touch his makeup. Uh but pulls back quickly. With an affectionate smile, Helmet takes her hand and runs it over his face, pretending that her touch tickles him. As he laughs, the children begin to smile faintly. He shows her the traces of chalk makeup on her fingers, and she giggles. His conquest is all but complete. He picks the youngster up and, holding her like a dance partner, pretends to laugh with her to a little tune he hums. He, she loves this and laughs outright. When Helmet finally puts her down, he, raises, she, he kisses her on the cheek, and he turns his cheek in an unspoken request for a return kiss. The girl shyly and quickly gives Helmet a cheek, peck, cheek a peck. Grinning, Helmet pats the spot where he kissed him to show his appreciation for her wonderful gift. The older girl we saw earlier calls him in a hushed voice. Older girl, dork. Helmet moves over to squat down beside her, and the camera moves into close to shot Helmet and the girl. Where are they sending us? Don't know. Do you have children? Helmet looks around at the children, smiles sadly. I do now. Yeah. Yeah, not saying anything. Dissolve to interior staff car near dusk. Sharaf, dozing off in the back seat, is awakened by the sound of an approaching train off screen. He listens. 
glances at his watch, shakes his head, and gets out of the car. Exterior railroad siding near dusk. As Scharf Scharf uh, strides to the boxcar where Sergeant Hoffman is also... Where Sergeant Hoffman has also heard the locomotive, he salutes as Schroff comes up, the camera following him. Schroff, it finally got here. Yes, sir. Helped him get the car coupled on. We want to move it out of here as fast as possible. Be sure the doors are locked and get the clown off. Hoffman salutes and Schroff moves back towards the approaching locomotive and freight cars being backed up to the boxcar. Full shot, freight train, stock. It is backing down the siding towards the boxcar. Medium shot, Sergeant Hoffman. With a cautious look around, he reaches under the waiting boxcar and brings out a box-type, battery-operated lantern. He goes to the boxcar, opens the door, and peers inside. Sergeant Hoffman calling, All right, clown, time to get off. Helmet appears at the door and looks down. Hoffman, I mean, Helmet, what is it? The train is here. They're hooking it up now. He hoists the lantern inside. Here, tell them not to light it up until the doors are closed. Helmet gives him a look of deep gratitude. And get off right now. Just then, the boxcar is jolted as the locomotive makes contact, and Hoffman runs off towards the front of the car. Interior, boxcar, evening. The jolt has awakened several of the children who gather around Helmet in the dimness of the car, frightened and bewildered. The children, removing, what's happening? What was that noise? Dork, where are we going? Helmet. It's nothing. You're going for a train ride. What do you think of that? A real train ride? Children, pressing closely, sensing his anxiety. Is it far? Are you coming too? I don't want a train ride. Oh, it'll be fun. I would like to come, but I don't think I can. Please, Dort, please, please, please. I can't. They want me to stay here. There are cries from the children whose pleading makes Helmet terribly uncomfortable. He backs towards the door. But I'll come to see you as soon as I can, and I I want all of you to... Promise me to be very good. No crying. The children stare at him silently, their eyes unconsciously, uh, unconsciously accusing. With him goes all their security. Helmet knows it, but he has no choice. When he reaches the door... If you want me, remember, just close your eyes. Close shot, a little girl with the dark eyes. Wordlessly, she shuts her eyes. Tight. Pan shot, children. Following the dark-eyed girl's example, the smaller children, one by one, close their eyes. Close shot, helmet. Near tears with emotion, he wavers. Then with great control. Goodbye. Medium shot, helmet. He turns and sits down on the floor of the car with his feet hanging outside. He is just about to jump down when he is stopped by a loud wail of anguish from one of the children behind him. He turns and looks back at them. Medium shot, children, helmet's point of view. A boy of about six, one of the Czech youngsters, is crying with the dejection of a lad who has just lost everything. The other little Czechs and the girl... The older girl, who first recognized Helmet at the boxcar door, are trying unsuccessfully to console him. Between cooing and patting the boy's shoulder, the girl throws an accusing look at Helmet. Wider angle, to include Helmet. Uncertain what to do, Helmet glances around, outside. Satisfied that the train isn't going to move at once, he gets up and goes to the children. What's this now? Crying? After all the fun we had? The boy only looks at Helmet and goes right on crying. Helmet looks helplessly at the older girl. It's his birthday. He thought there would be presents. He's a Czech. Do you speak? Of course not. Helmet is angry with the girl because he really wants to get off the train and yet can't because of the accusing look in her eyes. Then how do you know it's his birthday? He told me. He speaks German? No. 
But he told you it, it's his birthday? The girl nods firmly, as do the other children. The boy watches it all wide-eyed. Helmet figures out, figures to put an end to this. What date is this? The girl, after thinking it over. Why, it's his birthday. This is too much for Helmet to fathom. He turns his head to walk away. Try, he turns his head away, trying to think. Girl, don't you believe him? Helmet turns back to them, looking first at the girl, then at the boy. His little upturned, tear-stained face, full of wonder. Helmet softens, recalling perhaps his own birthday disappointment. Uh. <clears throat> Jesus. Helmet, <laughs> of course I do. Tell him I wish him a happy birthday. He knows that, but... What, what are you going to do about a present? Helmet fans his, fans his clothes, finds the harmonica, and produces it with a flourish. Ah, the very thing. He can be the clown while I'm gone. As Helmet bows and holds out the harmonica to him. Happy birthday. The boy looks solemnly at Helmet and the harmonica. He doesn't quite seem to understand what this is all about, but the harmonica is enticing. He looks up at his countrymen for encouragement. They all smile at him, and he takes the harmonica, examines it, then blows into it experimentally. When he hears the sound that comes out, he brightens. Then the little girl with the rag doll comes forward and offers it to the boy. He looks at her strangely. One of the older German boys scoffs. He's a boy. Dolls are for girls. The little girl is hurt and looks at Helmet to support. When you give something you love, it doesn't matter if it's the right thing. He takes the doll and puts it in the hands and puts ah, and puts it in the boy's hand. The other, and ah, sorry. He takes it all and puts one of its hands in the boy's hand and the other in the little girl's. They stand looking at each other, sharing the doll. Helmet looks towards the door apprehensively, but there seems to be no action outside, and there are the eyes of the children on him. Oh, God. God, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> God. Helmet. Maybe we have time for a birthday game, a quick one. Let me take a look. Interior, boxcar, full shot. Helmet goes back to the door, glances around outside. There still seems to be time. He returns to the children. Everyone lined up, everybody line up behind me now, and I'll show you how a train goes. Wait, Helmet, the harmonica. Helmet looks around for the new owner of the harmonica. He goes over to him. May I borrow it back, just for a minute or two? The boy studies him dubiously with that Indian giver look in his eyes. Of course. For, of course, and I'm sorry, least offensive thing in this whole yeah. this whole script. Helmet for just a minute, then I'll give it right back to you. Just for the game. Finally, the boy hands the hands over the harmonica and manages a smile because he sees all the other children smiling at him. Good. Now, everybody, line up behind me. The children scramble into a line behind him. Helmet looks back at them. Grab hold of the one in front of you, because we're going to make a fast express train. The children, laughing and giggling, grab hold of one another. All aboard! All aboard! He puts the harmonica to his lips and begins huffing and puffing on it, imitating the train. He begins to shuffle his feet and move slowly down the side of the car, the children holding on for dear life and following him, their eyes shining with expectation as Helmet begins to quicken his pace. Cut to in interior boxcar nearly dark. <clears throat> Dim shafts of life. light from the two small square vent openings near the top of each side gives the boxcar an eerie look. Helmet stops abruptly as he hears the slamming of the door. The children pile up behind him. Wait! He moves quickly to the door and tugs at it. Finding it locked, he pounds on it. Open the door! Let me out! Let me out! But the train noise drowns out his voice. Then the boxcar suddenly lurches and starts to move forward. 
Helmet's pounding weakens and then stops. He turns from the door, his face reflecting his fright. The children, not quite understanding what has happened, gather around him and pull on him. He manages to control his fear, and looking at the children, he manages a big smile. Guess I'm going with you after all. He switches on the lantern and holds it up so its rays cover all the children. Let's play some more, dork. Helmet glances down at the tot, startled by the suggestion. Then he nods in a stunned sort of way. He puts the harmonica to his mouth and begins puffing on it. Cut to exterior railroad sighting evening. Sharf and Sergeant Hoffman stand watching as the boxcar moves away. Medium two-shot, Sergeant Hoffman. Uh, Sharf and Hoffman. I'm glad that's over. Call in the sentries. Sergeant Hoffman. Yes, sir. He starts to move away. Kessler in the car? Why does he say Kessler in the car? Oh, you know what? I th- that might have been the original. Oh, oh, actually, I think it might be a mistake. Kessler, yeah, Kessler in the car? That's, the, That's why he goes, Kessler? Kessler? The, the clown. Cl- the yeah. clown. I, I guess he is, sir. You guess? Sharf races to the car with Sergeant Hoppin right behind him. The camera follows them. Sharf peers inside and finds the car empty. With an angry glance at Hoffman, he hurries to the truck and looks at the cab. It, too, is empty. I told you to get him off the train. I told him, sir. He was standing right by the door. I'm sure he got off. Did you see him? Well, I... Did you? You told me to see that the car was coupled on. When I came back, well, why wouldn't he get off? Idiot. Guards! Guards! The soldiers come running from off screen. The clown prisoner is missing. He may have escaped. Search the area. If he got off that train, he must be around here someplace. The soldiers rush off screen into the deepening dark darkness. Close shot. Close two shot. Sharf and Hoffman. You know what happens if he gets away. He can't get very far. Sharf looks off screen after the disappearing train. If he's on that train, he's going farther than you know. Cut to long shot, train, evening stock. The rear of the boxcar is just disappearing from sight in the darkness. Close up, Sharf, or he knows. So that line is, yeah. if he's on that train, he's going farther than you know, and or he knows. Yeah. Uh, last 12. Yep. And <clears throat> just so we're clear, I would rather read this entire script from the beginning again than read these last 12 pages again. Yeah. But this is what we signed up for. This is, this is what podcasting has <laughs> become, sir. This is the life we have chosen. Mm-hmm. Just see those Emmys or potties or whatever they fucking call the <laughs> words for this. Yeah, That'd the potties. Fantastic. That would be great. Ugh. Interior boxcar moving day. It is the next morning. Light is coming from the vents and the lanterns, which hang from a peg in the middle of the right side of the car. Helmet is asleep on the floor and the ch- with the children huddled around him. He lies on his side with one arm thrown protectively over the little Czech girl, Inga and Vili. Behind him, the Czech birthday boy and the girl with the doll are cuddled close to him. Other youngsters have their heads on his legs and feet, and all are as close to him as they can get. He is, in fact, a sort of human bed. From the train noises off-screen, we can tell that the freight train is slowing down. Then, with a jolt, it stops, and off-screen, we hear a truck engine approaching. Helmet stirs and sits up, trying to get to his, get his bearings. This, arouse, this arouses some of the children, and they, too, sit up and look around. Children, what is it? Are, are we there, Dork? Where are we? 
Why are we stopping? I, I don't know. He entangles himself, raise, rises, and stretches his numbed arms and legs. He starts towards the door, but it slides open suddenly, and a burly guard vaults inside. Behind him, we see a truck similar to a moving van being backed up to the boxcar. Helmet br- blinks uncertainly in the light, with a light pouring out the door. Burly guard, everybody up, no noise. The children are too startled to move. The guard notices Helmet and reacts. Who the hell are you? Where are we? How the devil did you get in here? Uh, I'm from the other prison. I got locked in by accident. Oh, for... Sergeant! Cut to exterior, boxcar, day. We see now that the train has stopped in an isolated siding. The truck is backed up almost to the door of the boxcar. A sergeant climbs down from the cab of the van and hurries to the boxcar door, the camera panning with him. Sergeant, what's the matter? Look at this. He, he's from the other camp. Got in here with this shipment. How did that happen? Helmet. I, I was taking care of the children back there and accidentally got locked in. Sergeant, oh, for all the... What's your name? Dork. Helmet Dork. The sergeant fumes for a moment and then, Sergeant, put him in the truck with the others. And let's get going. Cut to interior boxcar, day. Angled to the door as, Sar- as Sergeant disappears. Reaching out, the burly guard lowers the tailgate of the truck so that it forms a bridge to the boxcar. Burly guard, all right, in the truck. Quick now. The children, most of whom are on their feet now, hesitate, looking to helmet for guidance. As the guard seizes the youngster and shoves at one youngster and shoves him towards the door. Instead, however, the child flies to helmet and grabs around his legs. I said, move. Wait, let me. Everybody up. Come on. Up, 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 up. He moves around, helping the still seated children to their feet. When they're all up, the sergeant to helmet, not you. Don't you want me to stay with them? They'll be frightened without me. Not for long, they won't. Sergeant, to the guard, yeah, to the guard. That's enough. Get them inside and keep them quiet. The burly guard starts to prod the children, but they won't move. Their eyes are fixed on helmet. Move! Do as he says, and don't worry. I'll be with you soon, I promise. Reluctantly, the children march off. They look back frequently at helmet, who waves to them. Sergeant, to helmet, come along now. They walk over to a two-story building. Helmet looks back in the direction of the children, then looks about the camp. This is just another prison? What did you expect? I thought the children were going to a better place. The sergeant, with an incredulous look on his face, stares at Helmet. Interior cell day. The cell is a small, bare cubicle containing only a cot and an open toilet. In the wall, fronting on the prison yard, there is a small barred window. Helmet stops pacing and moves over to it and looks out. The camera swings so that it is shooting past Helmet's head through the window. At the far end of the yard, we can see the windowless stone buildings. As Helmet stares out at them, we hear approaching footsteps. Helmet stiffens, turns towards the door, and the sounds of footsteps grow louder and louder. In the, the camera swings towards the door as it opens to reveal Captain Kurt Run, Runkle, a slender, impeccably groomed, and thoroughly Nazified officer with the elite SS. He is the embodiment of all Hitlerian ideas. Runkle strides into the cell. Runkle, over shoulder to the guard at the door. Close the door and wait out there. The guard closes the door. Runkle studies Helmet coldly. Without taking his eyes off Helmet, he pulls out a cigarette case, takes out a cigarette, lights it slowly, and inhales. You're a remarkable man. Very remarkable. Helmet stirs uneasily. Have you any idea where you are? Helmet shakes his head. 
Auschwitz. This is Auschwitz. Mean anything to you? you? You may observe, you may have observed that we're enlarging our facilities. He moves over to the window and looks out, puffing slowly on his cigarette. Still a great deal of work to be done. It's, it's going to be our most efficient and modern prison. And I might add, most unique. Yes, you are a remarkable man. I, I've always wondered about a remark, remarkable man. Why did you come here? I explained I got locked in a boxcar. And, ah, yes, an accident. Unavoidable, I suppose. I was taking care. I mean, the Commandant requested me to take care of the children. <laughs> the Commandant? Runkle tosses his cigarette on the floor and very deliberately grinds it out with his boot. I have spoken to your Commandant, and he has listed you as an escaped prisoner. Escaped? But... It was an accident. Are you one of them, Clown? No, no, I'm not one of them. I'm not. Runkle smiles and moves away from Helmet. You must understand completely. Uh, the Judas goat is never killed. He isn't worth killing. I'm just asking you to lead them. Another angle, favoring Helmet. His eyes plead, no, I can't do it, no. Not even to save your own life? For a brief moment, Helmet struggles to find the courage to stand up to Runkle. But he has no courage, and he sinks slowly to his knees, his head bowed. Close shot. Runkle. <laughs> I'm glad to see you're not a self-appointed martyr. Two shot. Helmet Runkle. Runkle towers over Helmet, who sits back on his haunches, leaning against the wall. Just think. Now you're really one of us. The truth of Runkle's remark hits Helmet like a devastating blow. He turns his face to the wall in shame. Runkle walks to the door, raps on it, and the guard outdoors swings it open. Sir, sir, could I... Could I have a little more time with them before? before? His voice trails off. Runkle looks at Helmet while he thinks it over. He moves back to the middle of the cell. Yes, of course. I can give you about... Half an hour? You see, we're not heartless men here. Dissolve to angle on the door as Helmet and the sergeant approaches from off screen. Helmet has freshened his makeup. Sergeant, remember what I told you. There won't be any trouble. Helmet goes to the door and starts to open it. The camera moves up to close shot Helmet. With great effort, he composes himself and throws open the door. Cut to interior children's hut. Day. Angle on the door, where Helmet stands wearing an enormous grin. The children are about the barren room in little groups. When they see Helmet, they leap up and run to him, clinging to him as he closes the door behind him and moves into the room. Dork, you came back. You came back. We thought you'd left us. Don't leave us, Dork. The children continue to ad-lib expressions of mingled fear and delight at his return. Helmet goes among them, patting their heads comfortingly. There, there. It's all right. It's all right. Everything is going to be all right. When the youngsters are calmed, Helmet holds up his hands for silence. Now I want everyone to put on a big smile and sit down because we're going to have more fun than we've ever had. Slowly, still unconvinced that they have nothing to fear, the children sit on the floor. Good. We'll start by seeing that we all have our names on our heads. The children begin to lower their heads so that Helmet can check to see that their names are still there. Yes, yes, there's Fritz. Maria, Sadie, Inga, J 
Joseph, Nathan, Helga, Willie. The little girl with the rag doll holds up the doll for Helmet to see. Oh, yes, Frederica. Good. I, I, see your, I see all of your names. This is almost too much for Helmet, but he manages to control himself by turning away for a beat. Then he turns back to the children, his big smile back in place. Now on with the show. Just watch this. Cut to pan shot children. Their little faces are troubled, worried. Pan shot the children. It is half an hour later. And now the children are laughing at something Helmet is doing. Off screen, the camera pulls back to Helmet is walking in a uh, medium shot the group. Helmet is walking an imaginary tightrope. Every few steps, he almost loses his balance. But with comical gyrations, he manages to complete the walk. He bows deeply to the children and falls flat on his face. The youngsters laugh, applaud, and squeal delightedly. Two shot, Helmet, Willie. Helmet is lying on the floor near the boy. He looks up at the tot and grins. Dork! Dork, you're great. Helmet grabs Willie and holds him close while he fights back the tears. Willie plants a big kiss on his cheek. Helmet scrambles to his feet. The camera pulls back to wider angle, shooting past Helmet on the door. It opens, revealing a sergeant, his face expressionless. Helmet reacts. The sergeant to Helmet. It's time. Just a few more minutes? The sergeant shakes his head. I'll bring them. The children are watching this, puzzled. The children, what's the matter, Dork? Where are we going? You come with us this time. They're, they're really taking us? Where are they taking us? They, they want us to move to another building or have more room to play. Tell you what, let's make it a big circus parade. Everybody get in a line behind. He picks up Willie and stands with him near the door. Behind Willie here. The children scramble up and begin forming a line behind the very proud Willie. Helmet looks around for the boy with the harmonica. Now, where's our band, the harmonica? The boy sees this and goes to him. Helmet pantomimes playing the harmonica and points to himself. The boy smiles widely, fishes the harmonica out of his pocket and holds it up. There. There we are. Everybody ready? Here we go. Helmet takes his place at the head of the line like a Pied Piper leads the, like the Pied Piper leads the youngsters out the door, playing a crude sort of circus parade music. The little children giggle excitedly as they, as they troop out. The older ones seem less certain, but as long as Helmet is with them, they feel secure. Ugh. Cut to exterior prison yard day as the procession of youngsters emerges from the barracks with Helmet dancing along at its head. The sergeant and the other two guards stand watching in disbelief as the line turns and moves along the first of the windowless buildings. Medium shot, sergeant, guards. They look at each other incredulously. What are they seeing? Surpl what they're seeing surpasses their imagination. Full shot, helmet, children. Shooting from the high angle as the procession moves towards the camera, helmet looks back at his charges from time to time, smiling and waving and always puffing away on the harmonica. The children smile back, some timidly and some a bit fearfully, but all smile. Pan shot, parade, camera pans on the children as they march behind helmet. We see some of them strutting, their little arms swinging freely. Some of the little ones have to skip to keep up with the others. They are all smiling. Close shot, helmet. With each step, helmet looks about, his eyes searching heaven, praying for the miracle that will save the children. The sudden blast of thunder, the striking down of the guards. Close shot, helmet. Close shot, sergeants, guards. As they follow the parade warily, almost as if expecting a trick, they wear scowls worn into their faces by long use. 
Medium shot building, helmet's point of view. Its steel door gapes open. Through the open doorway, we can see a bare room in which what appears to be shower heads jutting from the wall. A single ceiling light gives up gives the room a stark appearance. The camera pulls back and up as the procession comes towards the building. Close shot helmet. Despair fills his eyes as he realizes that there is to be no miracle. He looks ahead into the room. His courage fails him as he stops so abruptly that the children behind run into his legs. He turns and looks at them, then back to the door. Wider angle. Almost reluctantly, Helmet stands aside, tries to smile, but the result is almost grotesque. He tries to speak, but no words come. The sergeant and the guard drift towards him, scowling. Gently, Helmet tossles the hair of Little Willie and steers him through the door, into the room. The other children follow him hesitantly. Helmet puts the harmonica to his lips and begins playing again. Another angle, taking in sergeant and guards. First guard, their clothes, they've got to undress. The sergeant starts to move towards the line of children. The sergeant grabs his arm and stops him. Leave them alone. Medium shot, helmet, children. Shooting over helmet's shoulder down at the children as they file past him. Each one hesitates a beat before him and looks up at him. Their faces are wondering but trusting. They smile tentatively. Only the little girl with the doll hangs back, waiting for something rather than rather rather than waiting for something, rather than fearful of entering. When all of the children have gone in, she goes to helmet and wordlessly holds her hand in a silent request to enter with him. In her eyes, there is an absolute certainty that he will. <sighs> Close shot, helmet, little girl's point of view. He looks down at her hand for a long beat. The little girl waits for helmet. But he doesn't take her hand. Shyly, she begins to withdraw it. Suddenly, Helmet reaches out and grabs her hand, clutching it desperately as he needs her innocence to control the panic that is tear tearing at him. Holding on to her to steady himself, they walk together into the room, the camera panning with them. Cut to interior chamber day. Angle to the door as Helmet and the little girl enter. Suddenly, the door slams shut behind them. Helmet whirls to it instinctively, as if to shove it open or cry out for help, but he does neither. Close shot, Helmet. His face is pressed against the steel door. He fights with the panic inside him. Then he quickly wipes his eyes and turns back towards the children. Slowly, he takes three chunks of stale bread from his coat pocket and begins juggling them, at the same time wagging his head from side to side, slowly at first, then more gaily. From deep inside comes a tiny, tiny laugh. The camera pulls back slowly to reveal the children in the foreground. Suddenly, Helmet tosses the pieces of bread high, high into the air, and stretches out his arms to encompass all the children. As they gather around him, they take up his soft laugh, timidly at first, then more assuredly, until the chamber resounds with gentle laughter. Cut to, if another man's child is threatened and you move not to protect it, the children of all men are in jeopardy, and you stand as guilty as those who threaten. John F. O'Brien, fade out, the end. Mm -hmm. Let that breathe for just a second. Had it been earned, that last scene could have been awesome. And I can see the shreds of the original script in here. I can see shreds. There's one line that I'm like, oh, my God, if you had built towards this line, then what happens next would be brilliant. 
And that is when Runkle is talking to the guy. And he, mm. Let's see, you were like, no, I'm not one of them da, 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 to save your own life. Just think, now you're really one of us. Yeah. If that had been, see, what they needed to do, they need to, est- they need to establish him as a selfish, evil motherfucker who would sell anyone out to get any comfort. They needed to have him in prison doing favors and getting shit to curry favor with the guards so that he built himself up, informing even on other prisoners. Then when they have problems with it, with the kids, the kids crying, the commandant could just be like, ugh, you, you used to be a clown, yes? Then start employing him like that and say, look, do this and you will... You'll eat with us tonight. You'll get more food. Do this yeah. and have him do one or two. And then, you know, or, or just have him entertain the kids and, you know, view it that way. Then just sort of get forced into, oh, you do this. That. And then when he realizes where they are, have him suck it up and say, no, I, I can't do this. Yeah. I mean, that's literally off the top of my head. Having read this script twice now, that is what I have come up with on how to fix it, which is a total fucking overhaul of everything except the concept. Yeah. Which I'm wagering, what I'm really saying is, I'm just hitting the reset button and sending it back to what it (laughs) was before fucking Jerry Lewis got his hands on it. Right, or additional material was given. Yeah. I don't know how many people out there that listen to the show uh, have been involved in any sort of performance at all, but it... Probably say a safe bet to say that you've done some sort of little program in school, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In your elementary school or what have you. Yeah, primary school even. Yeah, and there is time that takes to even write the simplest lines and recite the simplest of lines yeah. for some cute little program your mm-hmm. parents come to watch. Mm-hmm. It takes time. Yes, there are things that go into it with a lot of people involved. Uh, now, take that that time in your head and multiply it by a million yeah. for a commercial. Mm-hmm. Now take that and multiply it by a billion yeah. for a film. Exactly. All the time that it takes for the collaborative art of film, yeah. if I could sound more pretentious, mm-hmm. to get going. Yep. This script, especially in these days, yeah. was here first. Yeah. Nowadays, not so much. Right. Kind of gets... Patched together uh-huh. in the worst cases. This was here. Uh-huh. This fucking thing right. was done. Yep. And cold red. Uh-huh. Uh, gone over. Over and over and over again. Yeah. By the writers and the creators before it ever gets to the actor's hands. Mm-hmm. And then when it gets to an actor's hands, all the other stuff I don't know about, but I know about an actor's hands, it yeah. pour over this shit. Oh, hell yeah. And it becomes... You're part of you walking, talking inner inner dialogue. Yes, yes. It. it has to, so you can get it all there. Mm-hmm. It's just something you keep on cue cards. Yeah. Um, and at no point. Well, obviously, at some point, when the financing ran out and everything yeah. went to shit, everyone yeah. stopped. But this was way into the production. Oh hell yeah! Uh huh. Way in. Yeah. And everyone was still going, yeah, this seems like a good idea. This mm-hmm. is a fucking good day at the office. Yeah. Everything's still cool. He's still pissing ice. Both the faucets read cold. Yep. Keltner getting beat to death. Yep. Uh, is he still dancing in front of the children while the other guy gets his head turned into a canoe? Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. All right. Let's make, make sure we get the right harmonica for him to play as he marches the children into a gas chamber at Auschwitz. And no one ever said, God damn, this might be a skosh. In bad taste. 
I say, I say. <laughs> this what the right, fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Wow, your genuine anger right now is God like... damn it! I am too resigned with this thing at this point. Ugh. What I imagine happened was uh, Joan O'Brien and Charles Denton, uh, which is based on a story idea by Joan O'Brien. I'm wagering that that statement at the end, which was by John F. O'Brien... Um, if anyone, if any man's child is threatened and you move not to protect it, the children of all men are in jeopardy and you stand as guilty as those who threaten. I am betting that's something her father said yeah. and she turned it into this script and the studio bought it and said, this could be, and I'm willing to bet I will put money down that this original script was probably beautiful. I will Maybe. bet that there was something there. And then they're like, well, we've got a big name to direct it. It's Jerry Lewis. Wait, what? No, 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 no. He's doing this drama. He's going for it right. He wants to change stuff up, da-da-da. And then the additional material, if they were involved with it at all at that point, because I'm willing to wager this is some shit where Lewis is like, no, we don't need those writers. They're, we got the script. They're done. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think they were there hand in glove, no, coffee uh-uh. and cigarette at the ready, like, yes, yes, I think that's a good change. Yeah, and, and it's the sort of shit where it's like they probably got it and we're like, what the fuck? That we... It's goddamn Jerry Lewis. We and can't I'm, do anything. I'm not trying to say that you can't make drama out of the, obviously this awful situation. Senator's list is clearly yeah uh, not this, but I mean same subject matter. Uh-huh. You can make a good film, a tasteful, heartfelt film with all the pieces in the right place. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you have that ending. Yeah, and then with that in mind. You still want to put in I'm pissing ice gags. Yeah. You you still put in a hundred and thirty-six pages of not fucking earning it. Yeah, so this is just I mean and that's kind of mo- moving along and not really there's no real arc. Yeah. Except when do I get out to talk to somebody about my papers? Yeah. Nice guy gets beaten to death or whatever. Yeah. There's not really much going on no. except him finding his clown again. Yeah. And falling in love with the children. It's ultimately a fucking, it's a story about a selfish man, a a weak, selfish man who is a little less weak, but still fairly selfish at the end of it because he's performing for his children. I do now. Yeah. And I mean that, yeah, that was nice, but. I'm sorry, Schindler's List, Boy with a Dragon Tattoo, fucking Sophie's Choice, yeah. the number of things that center around the Holocaust that are, are are genuine. The pianist. The pianist, yeah, genuine and heartfelt. Like, I just, because this upset me so much, I actually looked up the, the Auschwitz scene from Schindler's List just mm-hmm. to be like, okay, I've got... You want to talk about the most powerful bit of fucking filmmaking you've ever seen? The women off the train, shaved heads, yeah. stripped, marched into the showers, mm-hmm. and then the sound of the showers kicking on, and, the, and then the uh, water started spraying. It was just, yeah. oh my God, that, that, fucking amazing. And I'm sorry, if you look at it, Schindler's List is what this thing originally kind of was. A selfish man looking to profiteer who in the end said, no, we're going to risk... I'm going to risk my life for these people. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to do the right thing. I'm I have I have tr- been transformed by this horrid just soul destroying experience. Yeah. And in this we get none of that. I I mean it's so flawed. You and I could sit here and quite easily write a version of this that that would be that most definitely better than 
fucking this garbage, but we could hit at some sort of core that is like, okay, this is, this is powerful. This is affecting. This is, this is genuinely wonderful, but I mean, you're building all that moment's fixed. Yeah. It has to be. Uh So you have to build towards that. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, you must build towards that. Mm -hmm. But nope. I am a firm believer that in drama and, like, not wacky comedy, comedy that comes from a serious or historical place, everything that happens in it has to be earned. Yeah. You have to fucking earn it. And this did not earn it. There was nothing that I looked at and was like, oh, yes, good. No, th- this <laughs> no. was fucking horribly just disingenuous, tone deaf. I, I had this thing come out, this would be in the conversation for worst film ever made. I don't, I don't see any competition for miles and miles yeah. around. And that is like, see, because there is a difference between the ineptitude of the room. Or Manos, the Hands of Fate, sure. or Plan Nine from Outer Space. There's that's an ineptitude. Some, yeah, that's clearly. that's just somebody who didn't know what they were doing. This was and exploitation films are exploitation films. Yeah, and that's and they are what they are. Yeah, this is this goddamn is, Jerry Lewis. This is the man who knew who knows filmmaking. This is a man who fucking invented Video Village for immediate playback. This is a yeah. man who, like, seriously is knows goddamn filmmaking. Yeah. And to come across something that is this wrongheaded, that is this fucking foul and gross. And his complaint was, well, the work wasn't very good. Yeah, the, the, the work That's just wasn't very good. That's a fucking understatement. Like, really? The uh, work? Uh, the work wasn't very... Uh, uh, not the best bread I've ever baked. Right. What? What uh, now? I have disassembled the script because the fine bits of stationary that went into binding this thing. Yeah. I don't want to foul them anymore yeah, with this. Got to keep those. Yeah, yeah. Threads are important. These are going to be the Superman script. Um, seriously, this is... Uh, what seemed like it would be an interesting look at something, I di- we didn't realize what we were getting into with this. We genuinely didn't. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like you uh, said on Facebook or Twitter, I'm not sure... Um, is it's a historical artifact. It is. And we're bringing uh, light to it. Mm-hmm. Shining some light on. Um, yeah. On Just in case, if nothing else. Yeah. If you're out there wondering, God damn, Hollywood these days sure does green light anything. Apparently they always have. Yeah, and they sought Lewis for this. Yeah. Lewis initially even said, he was like, yeah, I, don't, don't you want Olivier for this? Yeah. You know, you make this as a real drama and keep the comedian's hands off of it. I mean, this is one of the Oscars can't ignore this. The Academy's got to give me something on this one. I, Ugh. That's all that I see with this, which to me makes it a million times worse. Because if he if was... If that's a, true. If it, that is true. And I don't know that it is. Which I don't know. But the thing is, I don't see what else it could be. But if that's true and he is quoted as saying that or someone on set yeah. got the idea that that's what he meant or whatever. Yeah. Allegedly, in my opinion. Whatever. Then that's just fucking Then that's gross. fucking vile and sickening. Yeah. Yeah. And not I mean, for anything. It, you know, if you got to kill children to make your point, fuck your point. Yeah. Yeah. And this just rings like an exploitation film about... Gassing kids. Yeah. 
And that is not the same as anything else that's ever been made. No, it's not. So, fuck you. Yeah. Put it in a pile. Put it in a fucking pile. Genuinely, this is... It's upsetting. It makes me think... I I had very little opinion of Jerry Lewis. Yeah, my knowledge of him was. I I like that he did a lot for kids. Yeah, I'm not taking anything. And and I will say that I I've got to say on the overall scorecard, Jerry Lewis is is solidly in the plus column. His ledger sheet is perfect. Yeah, I mean he's done a lot of good work for kids, and God bless him for it. Yeah, yeah. This ain't one of them. This is not at all one of them. I mean, this is. And if someone talked you into this, Mr. Lewis, and said, you know, some Satan's beautiful arguments yeah. into, no, this is really great, they really need your touch here, da 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 da, da really stroked your ego and got it, I mean, we've all made mistakes. Yeah, we've uh, all, we've, who, who, who among us has not ever? No. I, have, no. I, I will say this, I've made mistakes, I've never been involved in a full-on catastrophe like this. Nope. Because granted, I've never been in a position to do something right. like this. And who's to say that we wouldn't? Yeah. Me. I'm Me, the yeah. one to say that we wouldn't. You know, we've, Not always, that. we've always talked about like, you know, how bad we'd sell out. Like how ridiculously we would sell yeah, shit yeah. out. Uh, I have found my limit. <laughs> this is you it. know, Polly Shore is Superman. No problem. Another Green Lantern movie. Why not? Sounds good. This... You've you've reached the outer fucking limits with me. Yeah. If, are, if, are we firm on that? Yeah. Oh, yes, we are. We are solidly firm on that. I'm very hungry. Yeah. Because this. Yeah. Seriously, I just I'm I'm slapping my fucking forehead in yeah. disgust. Just why did I do this to us? Why did you do this to us, Jim? Well, um, because like, <laughs> hey. No one can say it's just the same old thing with those two. Exactly. Exactly. If nothing else. Yeah. I, I, oh, it's just a bunch of wacky morning radio wannabe yeah. podcast bullshit where they talk about movies for about 10 minutes. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Which is very generous. It is very generous. Very much indeed. God, see, we got to do something awesome. To follow this, yeah, we'll uh, have to we'll like, think about something. Like, seriously, everyone gets a free burrito. Yeah, this damn near needs to be us doing the Coronetto trilogy this Saturday, and just <laughs> us fucking drinking our way through the fucking oh, th- through through those. That, but th- that'll be a future date. That that yeah. requires time Ooh. and preparation. It does require time and a lot of booze. So yeah, we'll we'll figure out what the fuck we're gonna do next. But it will I guarantee you. It will I have guarantee nothing. you. Yeah. It will be funnier than this. <laughs> yes, it will be so much funnier than this. Again, we apologize, but I think if you're a film fan or if you dig what we're, you know, you're picking up what we're putting down on a on an, at an average day, you'll understand why we did this. So uh, check us, you know, fire us an email at yeah. either thefilmthugs at gmail.com if you want it read on the air or uh, just thugquestions at gmail.com. That way we won't see the question until... It's read to us on the air, and we answer it. Uh, fire something to us on Twitter, mm-hmm. Facebook, Vine, all of that stuff. Um, go to our website, and please just let us know all in all what you think of this fucking thing. Yeah. Seriously. Like, I had no opinion of Jerry Lewis as a comedian before, and now I just kind of look at him like, well, fucking thank, thank you for doing that telethon, sir. Because 
that's mighty fucking white of you when you look at this shit. And seriously, it... It, it didn't. This movie didn't know what it fucking wanted to be. It did not. It did not know that. So not one bit. <sighs> Shit. Well, until next time, I'm Jim. He's Clarkson. We are the Film Thugs, and please forgive us. <laughs> <laughs>